Welcome to Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. I got a little bit of a new setup here, and I don't know if I like it, but we're going to plow through either way. From deep underground <clears throat> in Staten Island's beer bunker slash virtual saloon, welcome to yet another episode of Three Beers In. It is, oh, wait a minute, I'm on the wrong thing here. Uh, the Craft Beer Show, bringing you the latest news and unique craft beer reviews. And this is episode number 182. 182. I'm so sorry, I was very unprepared, it seemed, for this right now. 182, and this week we are drinking non-sequeter beer projects. They stole how much fruit? That's right, non-sequeter beer project. I think they're out of Rockland, New York, which is a little bit upstate from where I am. You know, Staten Island. And check this out. We're doing another show. I, I, I was, I, I'm trying to be better with getting the show out to you people weekly. And I made it a, a hell of an effort to get down here and do it. And here we are. I got a new chair. Like where I'm sitting right now. It's much more like conversational. Like I'm sitting in this chair. It's very low, this chair. It's like an antique furniture from like my grandparents. So it's very, very low to the ground. Like I literally can't even see the mixer. I'm kind of like blind with that. I'm closer to this laptop. <clears throat> I could kind of see the computer where I got to read. The thing is, is like, I feel like I'm like locked in because it, it was a hell of a lot of work to get this chair to where it is. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going to work out. I'm going to do it for this episode, but I don't think it's going to work out because I got, I got the beer off to the side because I can't reach the table. Like I have to leave the beer over there. We're going to see. I mean, it's definitely a better feeling. Chair. Like this chair is really easy to sit like. Sitting in this chair feels fantastic. Very comfortable chair. Low to the ground, like I said before. It's going to be great for in terms of like, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it's going to be great in terms of like a long-term discussion situation where I'm just sitting here for a while and uh, chatting it up with you guys. But on the other hand, if I can't function, then it's just going to be no good. But what an effort to get this chair. The chair, I think, weighs at least 60 pounds because it's made of solid wood. It definitely had, like, the plastic on it all of its life until, like, maybe the last 20 years or so because it's in fantastic shape. I really want to try to, like, get under there and see if there's, like, a brand under there, see, like, what it, where it's from. I, my voice keeps cracking. Like, hello. How you doing? Well, I did a podcast before this one. It's called Bore on the Floor. So if if you're interested, you could probably search it on um, wherever you're finding podcasts at. <clears throat> it's a little side project <coughs> that I'm working on with a buddy, Rob of mine. Rob DeVito, not Rob O'Meyer. That Rob is gone. He's in Australia. And uh, it took about an hour or so to do that one. And it's a lot of work to be chatting it up for hours on end, okay? So us of us, those of us that are in the podcasting world, you, you know... You know what I'm talking about. So if the voice does crack, please forgive it. 
having the last of my German beer, the Erdinger, the the um the Weiss beer. It's tasty. It's delicious. Um, hang on a second. I had written down kind of like the rundown of what I wanted to do. And it's so upsetting to me because like, I, I, I know I touched upon this last week with the COVID thing. So, you know, he, he, we did it remotely. I spoke to him over Skype, you know, so, uh, this week there was a bit of a bandwidth issue. So again, if, so I'm sorry, the show is about secession, the show secession on, on, uh, HBO. Which, if you haven't seen the show, I highly recommend you go check it out right now. It's a really great show. Uh, the way we put it, and I think we both agree on it, it's Game of Thrones without the zombies or dragons yet. We don't know if they're going to appear on the show. But it's a very, it's a real-world, businessy type show. Lots of gaming, sort of like Game of Thrones, where everything was a game, you know. Who's going to win the Game of Thrones, right? I had my money on Littlefinger. Uh, spoiler alert to be damned, if you didn't fucking see Game of Thrones by now, you missed the boat, okay? Sorry. But yeah, holy COVID, Batman. We're in a bit of a surge right now. I think it was like two days ago or so we had the most deaths ever, according to the people uh, that tell us the truth on the uh, television. I mean, that is fucking crazy. Here we are thinking we're turning a new leave. Leave, leaf. In terms of uh, getting this thing under control, but it seems this spike has caused restaurants to close again, um, which may really uh, harshly affect. I mean, I, I know this is a national, international podcast. We're all over the world, but right here in New York, it's pretty bad right now. We got restaurants that are closing down again, and I personally don't think that they'll be able to survive. They'll be able to survive. Uh, I, I see it in Manhattan when I go to work. There's just places are boarded up. Uh, there was a five. I think I said this before on the show. There was a five guys that was supposed to open and it didn't. Maybe that's a good thing because I'd probably be in there way too much. But at the same time, it is a bit frustrating to, to just see how bad it really is. Excuse me. But everyone is suffering um, with this damn pandemic. The thing that I'm really worried about is I hope that this doesn't hurt the beer industry, but it probably will because <clears throat> for a short period of time uh, when the weather was nice and it wasn't too, too cold outside, a lot of tap rooms started opening up again and having like an outdoor seating situation where these breweries were able to, you know, have people there having their beer, selling their beers right from there, <clears throat> from their tap rooms which is really great for business. But what we're seeing now is uh, with these closures, we're going to probably go right back to the, um, the, like the beginning lockdown phase. It can happen. Hopefully people that are much smarter than me when it comes to business and they're more savvy, obviously than I am. I mean, I'm not, I don't know anything about business. They're going to be more savvy <clears throat> to figure out maybe a way to stay alive. But Brewery Strong, like, we got to be careful. Remember Rob Callahan of Tuckahoe with Brewery Strong and his initiative. Like, this is the time. It's times like this where we're going back into these lockdowns and going back into the hole, so to speak. But we got to come together and we got to make it happen, you know, in terms of uh, getting out there and getting the beer. You know, I mean, like, for me specifically, 
like, because this is a show that, you know, I talk about myself and my life. I have to make sure that Beverage Island stays open. Because, and I, I love Joe Canals. It's really, really great. But when I walked into Beverage Island uh, when it reopened quite recently, <clears throat> I saw breweries that I'd never seen before. And that is what's really special about craft beer is that you're going to get so many offerings from so many different places and you're going to find your favorite spots and your favorite breweries as you go along that leave that mark uh, on you that, um, you know, and I think that's great. You know, you have that uh, personal connection and that, uh, that feeling when it comes to, Oh, I know Bolero snort or, Oh, I know KCBC stuff like that. Oh, I know non-sequential. What the fuck is the name of this place again? This is this is tripping me out here that this is the name of this brewery and I can't wait to maybe go deep down on the non sequitur beer project. Okay. <clears throat> so it's probably a couple of breweries maybe. Cuz we've seen that before. I think KCBC was that Queens Collective where you got a uh, whole which you know is actually really a, a really good in my opinion because if you think about it how am I going to tie this together? Um the the Oh, what the fuck just... Something just flew at me. What the fuck was that? I hope it was... <clears throat> okay, I think it was... I, I don't think it was like a, a, a bug or anything like that, but something came flying at me and really freaked me out. Anyway, uh, where was I? I, I I'm going to tie this together pretty well. I, I think I think pretty well when I, when, I, when I say this. It's all about your resources, right? If I'm a home brewer, right, and I have a budget of... $110 to make a beer. I'll be able to make a New England style IPA probably or you know a New England style IPA or or a stout with that money. Because the better the beer gets, the more expensive it is to make. We've talked about it time and time again here on the show. When I looked into making a stout, I was like, "Oh my god, what an ale would have been costing me maybe like $65." Now, mind you, I'm not an all-grain brewer. I'm an um, extract brewer. That's a little more expensive, too. Um, to make a stout, it's almost du- it's uh, not almost double, but it's it close to $100 because you need so much more ingredients to, to uh, boil and get into the, into the pot in order for you to make a successful stout or one that, you know, would probably be good. So that's what kind of breaks my, I hate to say breaks my heart, but right now I'm having the Costco advent calendar of those beers all from Germany, and they've been absolutely fantastic. Like, they've been really good. Um, They have the classic German flavors, the old world German um, beer experience is happening with this advent calendar. And it's really cool because I had an Imperial Pilsner before. Uh, I forgot which night it was. I had the Imperial Pilsner, and that particular beer was reminiscent of a winter warmer beer. Now, if you remember when Rob Obermeyer was on the show, and he hates IPAs. We have a shirt in the store right now. If you go to www.3beersin.com and hit that merch tab, we have the Rob Hates IPAs t-shirt. Which is an homage to him, and it's an inside... uh, kind of a joke that we have here on three beers in that he hates IBAs. But he had always said, I want to find a beer where instead of the hops was the focal point, 
I want it to be the malts. And that's what a winter warmer was. So when I tapped into this uh, Imperial Pilsner, I forgot the name of the brewery. It, it's These are all German breweries that you never heard of, too, which I think is really fantastic because it's uh, it kind of takes you off the beaten path, so to speak, of those major breweries. <clears throat> and I've noticed that the quality is, is similar. I, I, it's hard for me, uh, and having the advanced palate that I do have, it's been hard for me to uh, differentiate between uh, the quality because it, it, it just seems it seems to be pretty even keel, I want to say. Not trying to give too much credit to the big breweries of Germany, but also not trying to um, discount the quality of the beer that I'm getting from these smaller breweries that happen to made it to this advent calendar, right? I don't think they could be that small of breweries if um, they made it onto this corporate calendar type uniform thing that's been shipped to the United States. I don't think you could do that if you're a slouch. But either way, what I'm trying to get at is, you know, you have such a large company like Budweiser and they have the resources to make really good beer if they wanted to, if they had the ambition to. I remember a long time ago we had discussed how when we looked at Sam Adams and how they have all that revenue to make the beers that they make and they're they're just they're they're right on the cusp of being a really fantastic craft brewery and I kind of uh, pumped the brakes there when I was thinking about it because I said to myself if you know a lot of craft breweries would be in a lot of trouble if Sam Adams decided to bring the hammer down and make <clears throat> all juice bombs and stuff like that, they would really, they would really hurt other businesses. So I don't know. I guess they found their medium and they're just running with it. But when we have these beer collectives, right, where you have maybe three or four or so independent breweries coming together and making a brand, it's, it only sat, it only is, it's great for the consumer. And business is business. I I really want to focus on not trying to sound hypocritical. It's important to support local businesses. And with respect to the show, it's important to support craft breweries. And when you see craft breweries gobbling up more market share and pooling their resources together to bring really good beer to people, you know, you got to respect it. Uh, and you got to applaud it. But, you know, you just also have to be aware of when things go too far. Like with Stone. Stone Brewing <clears throat> Stone Brewing Company has, in a matter of two summers, become just on my complete shit list in terms of their behavior and what they've done. You know, here you have one of the bigger craft breweries that has a ton of capital and market share, if you will. And then they go ahead and they stomp all over companies that are, I mean, I mean, you heard the stories on this show. If you if you if you haven't heard it before, you know they would uh, they would go after any company. First of all, any brewery that mentioned the word stone in it at all, they would go after them for it. Or if they even had anything close to like a rock, for Christ's sakes, they go after them for it. 
And then they went so far as to go after companies that had stone in their name. Small companies, by you, by the way, that had stone in their name that had nothing to even do with beer. There was one place that was selling, like, uh, vodka or something, and they and they sicked their lawyers on them. And a lot of these places don't have the resources to hire a whole bunch of lawyers to defend them or at least to 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 drag out a lawsuit enough to to make a an impact in their in their benefit so that's where it all comes down to the consumer i mean you and people around you and people in your circle who are beer fans and stuff like that you could say you heard on three beers and hey did you hear what fucking stone did or anything like that and and then I never heard of it. What happened? And then you tell them the story that you heard on this show, and then then it gets paid forward. And and I think that that that's where we make our impact is with our with our dollars. You know, we we are in control of where this industry goes. And I know it's a very tough time because of COVID and because of um, <clears throat> a lot of people are out of work and stuff. And you might not be able to indulge in the finer things of craft beer. But, you know, this too shall pass, and we will be in a situation where, you know, happy times will be here again, and we'll be able to have these conversations outright and say, hey, life is good. We have the, we have the funding and the, and the resources to go out there and, and, and get good beer, and we're going to make the right decisions. Again, you could do what you want. If you want to get stoned, I mean, what the fu- who, are, who am I to stop you from doing what you want to do? But understand who you're supporting. Understand who... You're giving your money to. You're giving your money to a, a, a company who's abusive to, to the smaller guy. So we have to see where this COVID thing goes in terms of, like, how it's going to affect the craft beer industry. I think it is going to be a dark winner. Like Joe Biden said, it's going to be a dark winner uh, for these companies if they continue these lockdowns, which I'm not against. I mean, <clears throat> everything has to be fucking political nowadays, so... You know, if you say that you're for or against the lockdowns, they're going to accuse you of either being a soy boy or a Nazi. Like, there's no people need to just fucking chill out, you know. But I'm not I'm not 100 percent against the lockdowns. But at the same time, it's like you do have to recognize the impact that it has on people. Like, it really hasn't affected me that bad. I've been going to work ever since it happened. Nothing really changed for me. Other than I'm not able to go and see people like I used to, you know, which wasn't that much, you know, I mean, it wasn't like crazy. I wasn't out every fucking weekend. But at the same time, this is going to be a bit of a controversial uh, thing I'm about to say, but I got to get it off my chest and I'm chatting with my buddies here, my drinking buddies at three beers in. I, I, I'm really not crazy about this vaccine. Now, I'm not. Let me let me talk. I'm not an anti-vaccine person, okay? I'm very well vaccinated, okay? Whatever that means. I mean, I took all my vaccines. I was raised in a vaccinated home, if that means anything. You know, I have everything. I get my daughter's on schedule. She's getting all of her vaccines on schedule. Nothing nothing crazy there, you know? <clears throat> I'm not anti-vaccine whatsoever. When I worked in the hospital, direct inpatient, now I'm not inpatient anymore. I used to have to take... Uh, hepatitis B vaccines every once in a while until you actually built up an immunity to it. That was just their requirement. Did I, did I say no? Did I freak out? No, I didn't do that. But hear me out here, okay? 
not a viro- virologist, a virusologist. I'll say a virusologist. I'm pretty sure it's like a virologist. But for the sake of um, <clears throat> any decorum that I have, I'm not a virologist, right? And I'm not an anti-vaxxer, like I said before, and I'm not anti-science or anything like that, you know. But I do feel like when you look at the the major vaccines, you know, like mumps, measles, rubella, uh, you know, uh, hepatitis, stuff like that. Well, hepatitis, but, you know, these are pathogens that I think did come from nature. Again, I'm not a historian or anything like that. I can't tell you, you know, the, the most famous disease or vector that you see on the History Channel all the time is the bubonic plague, right? And the thing that happened with the plague was it came from the rats, right? The fleas would eat the rats, would eat on the rats. The rats were like, get off me, you fucking fleas. And the, the fleas would bring the plague to the human beings. So it came from animals. A lot of these diseases develop in nature. I think polio, too, in nature, stuff like that. But with this COVID-19 thing, I have a theory. It is not, I am not a conspiracy theorist. I am not anything like that, okay? But I do not believe for a moment that this came from a wet market in Wuhan, China. Sorry. If this gets me canceled... If this uh, brings heat on me, that's going to be great because it's just more publicity. Cancel me. But I don't think it came from a wet market in China. <clears throat> and I got that inspiration. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure I've touched on it here before. Um, the reason I come up with that is because the, the communist Russians, right, when Chernobyl happened, they literally refused to even acknowledge that there was an accident at Chernobyl. And for weeks, I believe, they didn't let anyone know that it had happened. They, they were denying that it even happened. It was impossible. They were, de- they were silencing people that were dissenting about it, right? And it was an incompetent accident. It wasn't a, a weapon. It wasn't anything like that. And I think that's what happened with this coronavirus. I think either they were developing a weapon or or researching a way to fight other coronaviruses because this isn't the only one. Maybe trying to come up with a vaccine, okay? And their incompetence led to this mass infection that happened throughout the world. I'm not calling for a war with China, anything like that. I'm not I'm not doing anything political here, but what I believe And this is a non-political statement. This is a non-political statement. What I believe is that this particular vector was was manipulated by man. Okay? That's going to sound crazy. I'm not saying they're injecting fucking microchips into your bloodstream. All right? And I don't want to stay on this topic too, too long because it can be considered a, a downer. Okay? But I personally believe that it was uh, something that was manipulated in a lab, right? Whether for good or bad, I don't know what their intentions are. You would hope that it was for good, like they're trying to work. They were trying to work on a vaccine for other coronaviruses because they had like the avian flu and stuff like that. I think that's a SARS type virus. Okay, and I think they fucked up. They fucked up big time. I don't know how. I don't know what the accident was because you're not getting the truth from the communists. 
Not saying anything bad about Chinese people, okay? But the, the government of China, they do bad things, all right? With the whole, you know, with, with, with the, you can only have one child, this, that, and the third. So I'm not speaking badly about any ethnic group or anything like that, okay? But I have been for, it's going to be a year. We're coming up on a year, right, of corona? Coming up on a year of this. For a year, I have been extremely careful. I have been following all the rules. I've been hunkering down, and I've been very particular. And I'm not saying this to to offend anybody, okay? If you're going to take the vaccine, you're going to take the vaccine. That's fine. That's what you want to do. But I'm not going to welcome the corona into myself through my arm, through a needle. Now, they were, now I, I had said that, <clears throat> I mentioned that to someone, and they were like, well, it's not that type of vaccine. It does, it attacks it differently. It's not like they're giving you the coronavirus to attack it. They're doing something, uh, there's some sort of genetic manipulation. And, and it's just, when, it's just too much for me to really be comfortable with, right? I, I Not that I don't trust the scientists. I really do trust nurses and doctors and and scientists all around the world. I, I give them the utmost respect. But they've been throwing trillions of dollars, I think, at this point, at other diseases and other problems, trying to find a cure or a vaccine or something to help, and we've got really nothing but some some therapeutics. So I just don't feel overwhelmingly comfortable about it. And I, I, I haven't gotten it in, in, in the amount of time. You know, knock on wood, new chair, I got the wood here. Knock on wood, it doesn't happen, you know. But I don't want to, if I've been doing good on my own, I don't want to continue to do that. I don't, I don't really want to do it. I don't really want to do it. You know what I mean? So that's my two cents about it. And let's get on to the hop of the week, shall we? I got two hops here. <clears throat> two hops this time. Only because um, I was reading up on the first one. It was very short, so I just grabbed another one to, uh, to throw into the mix here. Uh, cause you know, I don't like to, I don't like to be too short when it comes to, um, when it comes to the segments that we do here on the show. So the first hop that we have here on the hop of the week is a hop called Orbit. Orbit is a dynamic hop blend consisting of a constantly evolving selection of hops from New Zealand's hops with a differences breeding program. The selected hops in orbit change year to year based on an available crop quantity and uniqueness. As such, no specific tasting notes are possible, but usage in the past has resulted in flavors and aromas of tropical fruit. So a pretty nondescript hop situation here. Orbit hops are going to be a rotational hop situation, as I'm reading here, and it's unique to New Zealand. I haven't heard about orbit hops, so... It's for bittering and aroma, and the alpha acid composition they have here is 4 to 6%. I don't know how you could know that if they're constantly changing, unless they're always in that range. When you take a sip of beer with this music on, it just changes you. Here I am talking about fucking vaccines and shit. I need to, I need to stop that shit. Sorry if I, if I was a bummer to you guys. I hope you skipped ahead if it was bumming you out. But here we go. The next hop is Landhopfen. Landhopfen. I like that. 
a low growth rate and yield in addition to a susceptibility to viruses are all reasons why the old German Lanhopfen variety is no longer grown commercially. Wow, I really picked a winner here. While its exact date of creation remains elusive, it has been documented documented as a variety as far back as 1851. It is is said to have good European aroma characteristics and is thought to be a cultivar of an old German land race created via colonial selection. And in terms of the statistics here, it has a pleasing European aroma. It's an aroma hop with a low alpha acid composition of 3.2% to 4.1%. You know, it's funny. You're, you, you know, you're talking... I just read about how it's, like, basically extinct. Yeah, they're going to give me these these very intense details about the hop. I find that to be a bit strange. I find that to be a bit strange. Yeah, I'm sorry I went a little bit long with the personal stuff before, but there's not a ton of beer news this week. Which you know, it's 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 not it, it's not unfortunate for I okay. It's kind of unfortunate all around because when I don't do a show for a couple of weeks, right, or a month. Sorry, guys, it was a month. When I don't do a show for that long, the the beer news piles up. But when I go to procure the beer news throughout the week, and I don't see anything really new out there, that's when we have a little bit of a of a scare so to speak. These burps are getting me, man. All right, let me just really quickly look up this brewery here real quick before we jump into the news. I'm going to read these articles to you guys. We're going to talk about it, give you my thoughts and opinions on them as we go along. Oh, beers are brewed at slash by another brewery, non-sequester. Beer project is just a, a little bit weird. Instead of a physical location... Interesting. You could find us at pop-ups around New York City in support of our monthly beer releases. As well, each beer is tied to a unique charity because we give a heck, and so should you. Okay, I'm all right with that. You know how I love talking about breweries that do charity and stuff like that? You know, that's the, the one thing that I always just uh, come up with. I always talk about charity and everything. So let's let's pop at this website here. And have a look what we have here. So, non-sequitter beer project. And you could order delivery. And they have an Instagram. So, they have, this is their beers right now on here. They have just uh, Moteca, which is a type of hop. We've talked about it here before. Um, Then they have All, which is a hazy IPA. How to do a table beer, blah, blah, blah. Okay, here's their about section. They have this very... Dumb-looking French bulldog cartoon character-looking face that I really enjoy. Not Sequoia Beer Project doesn't have a physical location. Uh, we brew package our beer with the assistance of other established breweries. Our team writes all of our recipes, is around the brewery throughout the process, and packages the beer. Instead of a physical location, we like to operate pop-up tap rooms around New York City in a non-traditional drinking space. Uh, probably It's probably tough for these guys right now. <clears throat> we want to take you somewhere you wouldn't typically drink beer and offer you a new experience when you enjoy our beer. As well, <clears throat> as well, each beer is tied to a unique charity that we will donate a portion of the proceeds to. 
We give a damn about what's going on in the world, and we think you should too. So you're kind of making me be charitable. How terrible. Charities, we're happy to be on a mission and donate to things we care about. And here's a list and their websites of where they donate to. They donate to the Just Leadership USA, New York Immigration Coalition, Kings Against Violence Initiative, Make the Road and Why, Planned Parenthood, and the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. And that is what it's all about here. Let's see here. So they have uh, upcoming pop-ups. Let me shout out some of these upcoming pop-up places here. Uh, Up next they have, oh, yeah, it's kind of like to be announced. Let me get, uh, is the name of the beer. How funny. And uh, the next one that they actually have a place down here is uh, Big For Your Boots is the name of the beer, and it's at the Pine Box Rock Shop, which, where is that? Oh, it's a museum-type situation. It's a museum in, in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York. So pretty interesting thing here. They're, this is what's interesting is that they're, they're, not even a, <clears throat> they're not even technically a brewery. And that's pretty neat that they, uh, they, they, they go to other, I guess they are, um, they're welcomed in, uh, in breweries. And now, I could be wrong, and let me not be the one to spread fake news or disinformation here, but I'm almost positive, and I could try to maybe reach out and get a positive answer, but I'm pretty sure that Rubson and Horman, the, uh, we had the, the head brewer on the show. Uh, it was really fantastic. It is the brewery that is owned by Q, I believe Q, right, from the Impractical Jokers. He, um, I, I think they operate at a flagship. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't think that they have a physical location. And it's kind of similar to what these guys are doing with the non-sequestered uh, brewery collective thing. So that's an interesting thing. I, I'm pretty, I mean, we might see more of that in the future. Who knows? Let me know if you guys uh, have seen something like that in, uh, in your area. All right, everybody, I know it's the middle of the show, but I always forget to plug this show on my own show. Isn't that crazy? So check this out. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could stop what you're doing, go down to the review and give me five stars, it would be really, really great. If you even want to drop me a line there, that'd be cool too. Don't forget, you can visit www.3beersin.com. That's with two N's at the end. Right there, you can find the contact tab. You click that, you drop me a line. Question, comment, concern, anything. I'll try to get it on the show. Not to mention, also, on that main website, that's where you can hit the merch tab and buy yourself some awesome three beers in gear. You like hoodies? We got hoodies. You like just regular t-shirts? We got that too. We even have cases for your phone, man. Are you afraid of websites? Don't worry. You can always just Google three beers in. Don't forget the two ends at the end. And you can find my Facebook. You can find my Twitter. You can see that I'm on Untapped. And you can also find other platforms in which to listen. Did you know that we're on Spotify? After the many years of doing this show, what really makes it all worthwhile is the fact that I get to come on down here, drink some beer, and hang out with my pals. That's basically what it is. Everyone that listens to this show is a friend, is a family member. You guys are the reason I do it. Thank you so, so much. Share it to somebody else. Maybe they can get the feeling of the gemunichai while we do it. Who knows? 
We shall see. But thank you all again so very much. Thanks for listening to this commercial. And let's get on with the show, shall we? going to jump right into the beer news, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> like I said, not not too, too much, but enough. Enough. First thing I want to do here, uh, a Washingtonian feature written on this guy, Ben Tolkan. He has died at the age of 37 years old. He was a staple in D.C., uh, uh, a beer scene, and that is just so unfortunate that he has passed away. He had a very rare cancer called Ewing's sarcoma, stage four. He had it, awful prognosis, um, and he, he really fought the good fight, was unable to win the fight. Uh, so we, we are just, um, you know, we're sending out our vibes of um, condolences to the family there. 37 years old, man. That is just crazy. I'm I'm 32 years old. So this is just like, to hear something like this happens, it's, it's really sad. So this one here, I'm going to raise my glass to Ben Tolkan, a man of beer that has now passed away. This one's for you, buddy. All right, moving along. This next one here, again, I told you, it's very short, so this is not going to be great. How a bunch of beer cans made a guy a millionaire, and that's it. This is from vinepair.com. Empty beer cans. We've been crushing them against our foreheads and recycling like fools. Because it turns out if you keep them, uh, you can become a millionaire. Slight catch. It may take about 40 years and 87,000 cans of vintage beer. While we can't quite testify to the rationale of buying cans of beer in the 80,000s range and not drinking them, yeah, that's a sin, we're clearly, not clearly, as smart as Jeff Lebo, who's been compiling this uh, selection in his vacation home of York Haven, Pennsylvania, and at this point, is a total net worth of around $1.6 million, which can either get you 20 minutes in Tribeca or 4,000 years anywhere else. The York Haven Beer Shrine is actually now an inn. Uh, it's a destination that people could go to. Looks very uh, cliche with the 70s eras cans lining the rooms. I'm looking at it. It's pretty neat looking. I mean, it's... I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I mean, there's a. I mean, let me let me not be a hypocrite here. I have a barrel, right here, an Angry Orchard barrel that was gifted to us from um, Willowbrook Beverage, and inside of it is a ton of cans and bottles from past episodes. That uh, when we would have a can or a bottle, we would, used to throw it in here. We don't do that anymore because it's kind of full. I think what we, we used to do bottle caps too because we were gonna line the table with it. But Rob fucking left, and now I'm all alone and. I'm not going to do that shit. Uh, moving along here. The next one we have here from thefullpint.com. 
Now, this is an interesting. Uh, 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 actually, you know what? Let me let me do that one last. Let me do that one last. Uh, Firestone Walker has canceled its Barrel and Beer Fest in 2021. You know, there's really nothing to to this is this is obviously was going to happen. A lot of these festivals and stuff are being postponed or canceled, and they plan on having the festival on April 8th of 2022. It's just so crazy to to like see how far away everything could potentially be. And I mean, that's just that's just how it is. You know, what are you going to do now? These last two articles, like I said, a very short article week. I'm going to try to read these as best I can, you know, and some things that are very wordy I have difficulty with, but I try my very best. It's from goodbeerhunting.com, and it says, Beer Vertical, Next Glass's purchase of hop culture, further integration, furthers integration across the industry's three tiers. This is written by Kate Burnett. I'm sorry, Kate, because I can hardly read. On December 8th, software company Next Glass announced it would acquire Hop Culture, a digital beer magazine and event company founded in 2017 for an undisclosed sum. My first reaction is, what is Next Glass and what is Hop Culture? Cuz I've been reading beer articles for it's I think it's going to be a year as soon as the summer comes around. Maybe even maybe it has been a year already. I mean, I'm my mind's a fucking blur. And I've never heard of hop culture. Did I ever read a hop culture article on here? I don't think I have. I don't keep track. Next last CEO, Trey Smith, says that the move is a step forward for the company's plan to integrate. This is the quote here. Integrate software platforms to enable efficiencies in the three-tier system and for consumers. So apparently this is supposed to be good for us, guys. Let's see what that means. Oh, thank you. She clarifies. Next Glass is working to offer a suit of software products that will touch each rung of the beer industry from brewery to end consumer. Okay. Interesting. Here we go. Next Glass also owns a beer rating site Untapped, which it bought in 2016, as well as beer forum website Beer Advocate, purchased in February, and the e-commerce site Osner, purchased in October. These people are making fucking moves. Now, everybody has untapped. Everybody visits Beer Advocate. And did you know that these people were behind it? Bet not. Let's read a little bit further. In all these moves, the company has increased its uh, ability to gather data and information about customers and their interactions with beer. Next year, we will see NextClass further integrate its roster of 2020 acquisitions, linking and leveraging its events, marketing, editorial, data collection, and e-commerce capabilities to sell advertising and to attract new users. So now the new frontier, or the new battlefront, I believe, that we're going to be having as craft beer consumers is going to be the information and data mining one. It appears that they're going down this road and we are going to be finding ourselves in a situation where we may, may be marketed to specifically uh, because they're probably taking all of our information. I mean, they're saying it right here that they're taking your information. And they're going to, I mean, is that a bad thing? Is that a bad thing? Because I've told you before that it's sometimes on Instagram when I see an ad for an axe that I want to throw and I might buy it. 
But here we go. The latest acquisition will allow the growing company to collect data and potentially use it to personalize experiences and influence purchasing options while providing NextGlass with an even deeper look at how consumers are creating digital touch points throughout beverage alcohol. Uh, excuse me. Excuse me, NextGlass? Yeah, you could buy me too. Can you come buy me? Purchase my podcast. I will say whatever you want. No, I won't just say whatever they want. I... I mean, if the price is right, I'll say whatever they want. Hop Culture's three-person staff. Oh, man, they had three people and they got bought? Shit. It'd be great if I could bought. Anyway, I'm not going to read the rest of this, but... Oh, wait, maybe I'm going to... Here's why it matters. Next Class is buying spree furthers its aspirations toward vertical inter... See, I can't do this, man. I'm not... I'm not a business person to understand what vertical fucking integration is. In appointing Gould Creative Director and Building Marketing and Development, Next Class also shows it's intentionally thinking about how its suit of properties can work together to promote both companies' B2B arm untapped for business as well as B2C platforms like Osner. <laughs> Let's just say that there are people moving and shaking in the tech business, and it's going to have to do with the applications that you use to both find, check in, and talk about beer. So it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, you always had to figure that lurking behind the corner was like a big tech type of boogeyman waiting to pounce. So I gotta, it's going to be really interesting to see where this goes because I use the untapped. I use Beer Advocate. And we got to be really, uh, it's going to be really interesting. And this last one here, this is Russian River. Russian River has made a seller society. When I say seller, I mean like C-E-L-L-A-R. And it will cost, mind you, we're in the middle of a pandemic here. From the fullpint.com, they say they will charge $450. That's right, nearly $500 for you to become a member of this society within the brewery that will have 24 limited-released barrel-aged beers given to you. 12 bottles shipped twice a year, 24 bottles in total. 24 bottles of beer for almost $500. Now, I'm not a math man, but let me just do this math real quick. $450, well, plus tax. Let's just say $489.99 divided by 24. I mean, that's not terrible. $20 a bottle. But are they big bottles? No, they're not. They're 12-ounce bottles. Man, this sounds like you're getting fucking ripped off. And you also get a discount on stuff like this. Now, I see breweries are maybe going to go down this route where they have some sort of a branding type thing. But, I mean, it's just you're selling. What type of hype are you selling? I mean, it's, you're, you're having, like, this exclusive be- – and, and this Osner app is a part of it. And I was – you know, this, uh, uh, this e-commerce Osner app, is a part of this initiative. So we're already seeing, maybe, we're already getting to see what is happening with big tech's influence on our beer markets and our and our beer um, uh, uh, hobby here. I don't think I'd pay any brewery that much money to to be to get their beers exclusive like that. But more power to Russian River. I mean, if they could get people to jump on board with that. I mean, they're a very cushy brewery as it is. They're kind of like Treehouse where they got this following, this cult following. 
you know, and if they're able to pull this off, then they're able to pull it off, you know. Uh, that's what it is. Let's let's go on to the uh, the beer review, shall we? I actually have to go get the beer, so give me one second here. All right, let's get this beer reviewed, shall we? An interesting beer from an interesting place. Or, shall I say, not an interesting place? Okay. They have a lot more written on the side of the can than anywhere else online. They stole how much fruit? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Niapa. Big letters on the New England-style IPA, the Niapa here we have. The hops. Oh, I fucked up. Fuck. I got to make a note right now because I will fucking forget. I said I made a declaration that if there were ever any hops on the fucking can, I was going to write. All right, hold on a second. I was going to do it already. They write down the hops on here. It's HBC586 and Meridian. Oh my God, I feel like a fucking failure. I've always made the declaration that if I have to, if I find it on the side of the can, I don't care if it's fucking Citra, and I got to tell you about Citra again, or if it's fucking anything, I'm going to talk about it. God, I really fucked that up. I'm so sorry, guys. They stole how much fruit, question mark, question mark, question mark. Hops that are being used here is HPC 586 plus Meridian. The fruits, they write blood orange and mango. And the friends, it says, are two villains. And there are two villain-looking people running. And they're holding a bag of weed, as a matter of fact. So you got in big letters, Niapa. You got in big letters, the hops that they're using. I really wish I could have read about the hops. And in big letters here, they have... Well, not in big letters, but in the label, they have them stealing a bag of weed. So I'm expecting a juice bomb. Uh, We brought the Rockland County bad boys down to Red Hook and whipped up this devilishly delicious, delicious fruited IPA. It's got precisely 420 numbers of fruit. Don't read too much into it, okay? 6.9% 6.9% alcohol by volume. And this was brewed by Keg and Lantern in Brooklyn, New York, for the non Um, I think they had a spelling uh, problem there. Beer Project. Oh, my God. I feel like a bad dad. I, like, forgot my child's birthday right now. But I will cover those hops next week. So what do we have here? We poured this bad boy out. It's a Niepa, which is kind of like the favorite right now still. We have here a very pale yellow with some floaties going on in there, about two fingers ahead. Um, it's, uh, it went away pretty quick, the, the head there. I mean, it's hazy, but it's not completely opaque. Like I could see uh, towards the top of the glass there. You know, I could see out of it. Very, very fresh bouquet here when we get to the smell. I get like a passion fruit and a guava that comes through. Very floral, hoppy aroma. Not not too hoppy, but very floral, hoppy aroma. Uh, with a sweet orange scent. I'm getting that pretty big there. And I also get a very interesting, like, sweet kiwi fruit smell, too. It, it's not something typical of what I've gotten in aromas 
uh, particularly. This is this is a bit different, but very very um, bright, very very. Um, it peaks your eyebrows. You're like, ooh, that just smells delightful in terms of the brightness. I want to keep. What's another word for the brightness? It's a very light smelling beer. You're not. You're not bogged down by the aroma here. There's also a citrusy, like lemony smell. It looks like it's going to be very citrusy and stuff like that. Let's get a taste on it, shall we? Very light body. Very light body. The six point nine percent. Totally masked. I mean, it's gone. You, you have no idea that it's even there. Very, very refreshing beer. Almost as if I just had like a very tall glass of seltzer with ice on it. Just very, very crisp flavor here. There's a slight bitterness here with a touch of like mango. Mmm. It's got like a, almost like a, not Pilsnery uh, characteristic to it, but like a fresh cut grass flavor, but not dank. Like, I mean, I wouldn't have had two guys stealing a bag of weed on the front because there's really, it's not dank enough for that type of label. It kind of reminds me of a less malty Hakuna Matata from D9 Brewery that we had back in uh, season three has those elements there. Now, I remember that label had like a fucking tiki tiki torches, people wearing like the tiki masks, like those like tropical. It was like you were going to go, oh, great burps with this one. Mm. Very refreshing. Like this is the, a very refreshing beer. But by no means, I mean, I, I'd say uh, it's on like the lower ends, the lower end of the spectrum of Niapas. I don't think this beer is a juice bomb by any means. Um, I don't think it's a bad IPA by any means. I, I, I think it's a really solid uh, IPA. And for a, a beer collective or a beer project, I mean, they could just keep repackaging kind of like the same. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not accusing them of this by all means. Please don't take it that way. But I'm just saying that, you know, if you're popping up in places and like I could tell people like, hey, go out and get how much fruit did they steal? they stole how much fruit or whatever you're probably not going to find it because like they're just constantly rotating the name uh different beers so who knows maybe that you could get this in a different name at, at some point i mean that's a little unfortunate for me because uh i i do know that people uh do buy the beers that i recommend you know that has come up in conversations in the past but uh with this particular beer here i'm not i'm not overwhelmed whatsoever in terms of the flavors. I'm not uh, disappointed, if that makes sense. It's not terrible. It certainly is not terrible. Um, I'd say it's pretty average. I'd say about a 6.5. A 6.5. It's not It's not bad at all. But um, it would get a higher score uh, for a few things, right? If if they had had... If, if the label... <laughs> and this is going to sound so fucking silly. But if they weren't stealing a bag of weed... Which is, I mean, it's not, it's not crazy for me to say that. I mean, you, you're insinuating that you're stealing a dank pot, you know, like dank stuff. 
I really like the color up to the light. It's it's a very bright yellow when you put it up to the light and just slightly pale when you don't. But that's a knock on it right there. The knock on it was the, uh, I was expecting something danker from the label. And then from the name, right? Let's have another sip here. I would drink this at a beach. I'm not even kidding you. If I was sitting at a beach, I would drink this. And I wouldn't drink like a juice bomb. I would drink this instead. You know, because it just has this, 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 um, this vibe to it. Almost like a, a margarita without the, the sweetness, I want to say. It's, it's very tropical, but not in the sense that you're thinking. It's hard to describe it. Not, a little dryness there at the end of this sip, too. Pretty good. But I'm gonna, I, I may have given it a, a higher score if they weren't stealing a bag of weed because it's not dank enough for that shit. And you write on here, they stole how much fruit? Which you're going to think, oh my God, they stole how much fruit? It, it must be so fucking juice bomby, fruity, delicious that they had to name it. Oh my God, how much fruit did they steal? They stole so much fruit, you don't even know. Like, oh my God, it's going to be fucking fantastic, right? And... um it never happens. You never get that that full flavor fruit that you probably want with a juice bomb niepa. It just doesn't happen. But a 6.5 is a fair score, I think, for a beer like this. You know? I, I you know, again, guys, I have to apologize um, for what I did before. Two things I have to apologize about. Number one. The whole vaccine talk. I don't know. I, I think I got... It's going to rub people the wrong way. I am who I am. I'm going to say what I want on my own show. Uh, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. But I hope I don't lose anybody over that. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I don't want to rehash it. And I also apologize that I didn't fucking... I didn't fucking read the can to, to, to tell you about the hops that are in here. I, I take pride in the work that I do, ladies and gentlemen. I do. But anyway, I want to thank you all for, for tuning in. And let's oh, hold on a second. I have to make sure. Let me see my phone real quick. I have a calendar on here to tell me. Is next week Christmas? Nope. It's the week after. So I will catch you all next week with another offering from Beverage Island. And uh, I hope everyone stays safe out there. Try not to uh, go near anybody. Don't go any super spreader events. Okay, play it safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, and I'll catch you guys next week. Take care, everybody. Stay well. Love you all. Mm-hmm.